Hi, everyone. I'm Elizabeth Stein, founder and CEO of Purely Elizabeth. And this is Live Purely with Elizabeth, featuring candid conversations about how to thrive on your wellness journey. This week's guest is Tia Barancini, creator and creative director of LPA The Label, a high-end contemporary women's wear brand owned by Revolve. She's also the host of Everything is the Best on Dear Media, CMO of Gaia Cashmere, her husband's clothing line, and co-founder of Barancini Import & Co., which brings Italian goods stateside. In this episode, Pia shares all about her career journey and lessons learned while at her first job in PR at People's Revolution with the infamous Kelly Catrone from the Hills as an early employee and designer at Reformation and ultimately how she became creator of LPA The Label for Revolve. We talk about what it's like to be a creative director for a clothing business, how she manages multiple brands and motherhood, some of her favorite lessons learned from her podcast guests, including her own health journey, along with some of her favorite wellness essentials. Keep listening to learn all about Pia. It's officially oatmeal season, and I'm so excited to share that you can find our Purely Elizabeth oatmeal products at select Walmart stores just in time to get cozy with a warming breakfast. You can find our blueberry flax oatmeal multi-packs and dark chocolate chunk oatmeal cups in the cereal aisle. Our gluten-free instant oatmeals are made with organic oats combined with five superfood grades and seeds for a delicious taste and texture. Our packs and cups make for an easy breakfast, snack, or dessert, and they're also perfect to take on the go. Click the store locator in the show notes to find a Walmart store near you. Happy oatmeal season and happy shopping! Pia, welcome to the podcast. It's so nice to meet you and so excited for our conversation today. Me too. I ingest all of your products often. My daughter, especially, she's obsessed with all your stuff. How old's your daughter? She's two. Oh, love it. We like to start them young. Mm -hmm. So before starting your career at creating LPA, you had a very interesting background and we really love to start with that journey because as you think about where you are today, so much of that, I'm sure, influenced the learning. So let's start with what you were doing before creating LPA and what got you there. Where are you from originally? Let's start with that. I'm from Pasadena. I'm. This was the house I grew up in, which I Amazing. currently live in and own. And I loved growing up here and got into Parsons. I got into Eugene Lang first at the new school and went to New York. It was incredibly shell-shocking. Um, <clears throat> I switched my program to the design and management program at Parsons, which was incredible. And did you always know that you wanted as a high no, school? No, I was middle? really creative. Have you ever seen that movie Rushmore? I always say I'm like, yeah. yeah, I was like that, where my grades were like just okay, but I was like the leader of every club and like the student activities director, like led all of our school things. I was in the school news every morning, wrote for the paper, was in the theater club, video production club. So very social and very creative and liked to organize people and create moments and 
amplify things that were going around to create like a better community at my school. I had the privilege of going to a private school that allowed me to do that. And I applied to like 20 colleges because I had no clue who would take me. You know, I knew I would end up where I was supposed to, but I had like a really good portfolio of work that I had done. So I got in there and was extremely shell-shocked, but really hit the ground running. I didn't even dorm. I went straight into like an I went straight from my like childhood bedroom to to an apartment on the Lower East Side. And that's pretty huge. Yeah, it was pretty I cried like every day for a year. I had a bad I had I had never had boyfriends in high school and I had I got a boyfriend there who was just like bad like wrote graffiti and like sold pot and was just like <laughs> took advantage Perfect of Perfect introduction to Lower East Side of New York. <laughs> yeah. And he like took it, like he it called, he called me four months ago and apologized. Wow. And which he had done once before because he works the program. And so, you know, I was like, oh, do you have to redo your steps again? Then I'm going to make another call. <laughs> you know, I was like, we already went through this, but I actually was like, like you caused a lot of trauma for me as like a young woman. So I do deserve this apology. He's like, if there's anything else I could do, you know what I said? He's like, if there's anything else I could do, I said, I mean, if I was going to put a price on it, I'd say like $250,000. Like I would like (laughs) (laughs) $250,000. Just fucking with him. So what I started doing by accident, which was really cool, was producing photo shoots. So there was a girl who lived across the street from me at the time, all the big photographers, it was just like, like Dan Martinson and um, Tim Barber, all the like, bit, you know, it's such a different landscape now. But there was like, you know, a handful of Ryan McGinley. There was always very cool New York photographers and the jobs that paid you a lot or some of them were, it was catalogs. So it was uh anthropology always had like a big cat and that was like your great money jobs that you could do in between editorials to like pay your bills and so there was a, a girl who lived across the street from me who was a photographer this is right at the beginning of blogs and she's like i haven't gotten like an urban job or an anthro job in a long time and she had so much personal work on her blog and she was really into these like metal kids that lived in rhode island and i was like well, if I looked at your work, I wouldn't think that you could shoot like a beautiful girl, like running through a field because all your work is like heavy metal kids. She's like, oh, I didn't think about that. And I was like, yeah, it's like very specific. So I was like, why don't we do a shoot and we can, you know, you can have something that's like kind of like more feminine, but like through your lens. So you can have just like a different body of work, but around maybe we can like find a magazine that'll post it as like an editorial or run it as an editorial. And so I got like all these really cool girls together. Some girls that are like a very big deal now, which is really funny. And we got this cool stylist, this French girl who now styles for like French Vogue and stuff and did this shoot. And that was a huge aha moment for me because then I started doing other work like that. And then realized that college was very expensive and something that I kind of couldn't afford. Um, And I was just going like deeper into debt and my parents' financial advice. My dad was a dentist. He was just like a really nice, like middle-class kind of guy. But um, their, one of their best friends was a financial advisor and said he was investing their money and he wasn't, he was stealing all of it. So I get this call from my mom saying that like Maury's in jail and he's stolen all of our money, all all my everything. And so I was like, I'm going to drop out of school and start working. And I did. And so, and I'm, and, and 
my college counselor at the time was like, you can always come back here, but like, you know, you're kind of on a roll with work. Really what matters in this industry is your portfolio more than anything, you know? So I have like four classes left at Parsons, which is sad in my thesis. But um, I started working and then I got a job. Ugh, I mean, this is like a really long, I'll just cut it short. And then I got a job, I ended up working for Kelly Catrone. Yeah, that's the part I wanted to <laughs> Well, I had moved back to LA. As a Hills fan. I got this cute little apartment. I was like, I'm done with New York. And I was living in New York at that time. So I feel like. Yeah, it was such a big deal, right? I had wanted to work for her while I was there. And it didn't, the path didn't cross. Then some, then I got connected to her like six months after I moved back here. And I was working a job I fucking hated. I was doing like office work in an agency, doing like deal memos. And she there it was like um god it was like some like teen choice awards there was some like event that was a big deal at the time that's not a big deal anymore i can't remember what it was but it was at the roosevelt hotel and it was like a bunch of celebrities and someone was like kelly needs interns to work this event which by the way you could like never do that now no and sure. i was like great i would totally and she meets me she looks at me she's like i like your vibe very Kelly Catron. I was like, thank you. She's like, what are you? I was like, I'm a Scorpio. She goes, me too. She goes, you can do the press line. Wow. I'm okay. I'd never done that before. So it was me organizing all the celebrities to walk down the line, making sure it was streamlined, making sure all the photographers knew who was coming, yelling out their name, making sure it didn't get clogged, managing all the personalities. Again, I'd like never done that before, but I killed it. And were you nervous or is your personality just like, this is awesome, exciting and like, the ca- I really it. thrive in stressful situations that like is a happy place for me. And so she, at the end of the night, she was like, that was so smooth. You killed it. Like you have to come work for me. So I said to her, no, I just moved back to LA. You know, my rent here was like 1200 bucks a month. A tiny studio in New York at that time was like three grand. I was like, I can't afford to move back to New York right now. She was like, you can live in the showroom. Like, so she had, if you've watched the Hills, there's parts of the show where Robin Berkeley's living in the building. And so I was living in that space. So the, the building, she had the, the second, third and fourth floor. I think it was. So the, I think it, whatever. And the third floor, she had like four floors. She rented out one. And then the third floor was the office. And then it was her apartment and then the showroom. So my little shitty bedroom, which was just like a shitty fake wall. Uh, I opened it up to like the showroom where like all the clothes were, which was so hilarious. There was no kitchen because it was like yeah. an event space. But how nice that she offered you that. It was super nice. She was kind of super used to that. Like she's one of those people that's very like you're in my world now, you know, and and um, but it was so crazy because there would be times where I would get home. And she'd be like, I can hear you. She'd be like, let's do, you know, she'd be like, I know you're <laughs> up there. Like, let's go to Soho Grand and get a drink or like, let's do this or meet me at Lucky Strike in 15 minutes. And I'd be like, oh, I've been working all day. And then I just got home from like an event or doing something. I just want to go to bed, you know, and it, but it was cool. I mean, it was just complete chaos. It was very crazy. Fashion week was absolutely fucking nuts. Like I did not know anything about PR. So usually somebody hired in my position, which was to be like Robin Berkeley's assistant. Robin Berkeley was her partner. And so I was like, 
it was bad because I didn't know any of the editors. Like you, someone for that position needs to have existing relationships with all the editors, at least know who they are, know how to write a press release. There was a program called Fashion GPS. That's like how everyone operated. And like, I like, I didn't know how to use Fashion GPS. Like it was so, and Kelly knew that Robin was about to quit and Robin's right hand was about to leave. It was like she had, she had given her two weeks. Now she runs a huge agency out here. She was so good. It was Grace. And she was like a fucking 10. And I was like, didn't know enough. So Robin just like, it was like drill sergeant crazy across the office. I had, I made huge mistakes there. I cried at Vogue on my birthday. She was like, grab the key pieces. We're going to do a desk side. And we go to Vogue. I'd never been to Vogue before. But one of my best friends worked there. And I just felt like so dumb. I didn't have like cool clothes. And they like someone from the office, like one of the cute guys, like styled me and like stuff that I borrowed from like one of the racks upstairs, like barely fit me because I was never a sample size. So like the zipper was like unbuttoned. We put like a belt over. I was just like, <laughs> I feel like such a loser. And then Robin was on her on the phone the whole time. And when we got to Vogue and I brought out just one garment bag, she's like, where are the rest of the clothes? Oh, God. And I was like, you said just the key pieces. And she was like, you should have brought at least 25 things. And I was like, no, I brought the key. She was like, you brought eight. Th-. Like, it was so bad. Screamed at me. I was sobbing. It was my fuck up. You know, it was just, I learned you just have to fucking pay attention to details. You need to ask questions. You cannot assume anything i just went through this with my husband with something what was it he did something the last few days and i was like dude you didn't ask enough questions it was something that was out of your real house like how are you supposed to know everything you know that's like really what got drilled into me when i was working there i do feel like in the pr landscape especially with fashion pr like while for some people it might not be they might not thrive in that atmosphere i feel like you learn so much like it mm-hmm. is such a great grounding for any position in your future 100%. But I also think when you're saying that, like so much now of people not being in office is lost. Like all those little things that you learned being there and from the people telling you what to do. If you were someone who is ro- working remote today, that'd be so hard. I'm very happy that we've created a space where people can have more time with their families, hopefully pick up their kid from school or drop them, you know, things yes. that I-, I need as a mom and I think we got too hardcore on office life. I don't think it's natural to sit in a fluorescently lit room on a screen all day. It's not, but you have to learn grit somehow. Yeah. And as much as I don't, you know, now all everyone would get canceled for the kind of behavior that was happening in the office or the screaming or something. And for, no, I don't think it's right. And as somebody who's a huge people pleaser, um, especially with the people who work with me, like I roll over on my back. I'm not strong enough because I don't, I don't want anybody to not like me, but I loved getting screamed at. Like, how else are you going to learn? You know, I, I mean, I'm sure you can learn in cons- a more constructive, healthy way, but that if you're going to work in such a cutthroat job, um, I don't know for me, my personality, it was fine. Anybody who doesn't have my kind of personality I'm sure has trauma from that experience that they're still going through. Sure. It definitely worked for years. Fashion was, this was like the most competitive time. Like Instagram, we just, Instagram had just, no, we didn't even have Instagram yet. What year was this? I got Instagram when I started at Reformation. I can't remember. Yeah. What was, if thinking back, what was one of one or two of the best lessons that you learned from Kelly? 
Oh my God. I learned a lot from Robin because she was like my whole life. Okay. So from Robin. Kelly, I mean, Kelly's amazing. I just start I didn't talk to her for years and then we just started talking. I mean, Kelly's a character. She's a really good example of like, you know, when somebody gets that popular and then you become almost like a character of yourself. Like yeah. you're getting like lauded for this kind of behavior. You like lean in harder. I mean, she was really it was it was really cool to watch her and to see she's like she lives how i would live if i lived in new york like i would absolutely have my office on one level and live in the same building and if anybody needed a place to be that would be they would be welcome with me like i understood that because i was like if i was in this position there would everybody would be living and working in this but you know i just like i love i don't need like boundary like i want to live in new york like i want windows that open to the street like i like public living you know i think it's really cool it was really just ask questions, don't assume anything, pay attention, and just fucking work, you know? I mean, there was a lot of problem solving that had to happen, you know, but if you make a mistake, you make a huge mistake. Like one time I sent, we were doing an event, I learned how to produce really well, like events, getting people to come to things, making sure that we're getting the proper outcome from the, it's all the stuff I still do. Like events don't stress me. Like I had a huge dinner here last week for a brand for Parallel, who I love and I'm working with and offered to do a dinner here. And everyone was like, are you okay? And it's like, yeah, it's stressful because 20 or 30 people are coming here and there's bartenders and I have three dogs and a baby and the house needs to look a certain way. You know, it's a whole thing. But like, I was like, this is, I love this. Yeah. Like the, our bartender didn't show up, you know, wasn't confirming an hour before. Like I knew who to call to get the right, you know, it's just, that like, I got it. You learn how to, how to juggle all those pieces. Yeah. That really set a foundation for me of all of the jobs that I got afterwards. But by the way, I still wasn't like when I was at Reformation, I would make Reformation is what changed my life. I'm working. Okay. So that's, so you leave people's rev and you go to Reformation. Yeah. I'm AL who had started ref in LA it was like a cool culty store over here where they were doing one of a kind vintage pieces like cutting them up and reselling them which was really really cool and then they were opening a store in New York and so she got there were like eight employees when I started at ref it was so small and we had hung out socially a few times and she was like I think I want you to come work in house for me do kind of like PR event stuff because she didn't have a lot of like social connections in New York. She was like, it was a total LA brand. So it was like smart of her to hire someone who had been living there for, you know, six years, had knew a bunch of people. So we opened up the Lori side store. I started the Instagram. I started the ref babe hashtag. I remember I was, I saw her a couple of weeks ago and I was with, and another girl who worked with us at that time too, who she's still really good friends with. And, we made up a fake name for the customer service girl. It was someone named Alex because we wanted it to feel personal, but we didn't want it to be some. We were like, what if this person has to quit? You know, it's like we wanted it to right. be like, and so she had, she had a fake name. Her, her name was Alex um, and it was gender neutral. And um, I remember when like the first order came in online for Reformation. Wow. We were like, that's so cool. We were like, we have an order. We joked about last week because I was like, we have an order. And then we were all like, what do we do? And Kim was like, <laughs> Kim, I'm going to pack it up and like grab the dress. And we were like, she's like, I'm packing the order. We were like, oh my God. Like it was so funny. Yeah. Considering now that, I mean, they do fuck millions of dollars a day at this point, I think. But um, yeah, Al was, yeah, was tough 
Um, but would like I made a huge fuck up once ordering a neon sign for the LA store. This is a really good example. We needed we had done all, all this work to, to for brand. Like, it was like, what do the stores look like? And it was like, okay, we're gonna use the color red but only in the form of neon and then we're going to have green, but only in the form of like real plants. And then it'll be like this kind of wood and this color for the wall. So we could create this like synergy. And so I'm on the phone with the neon people. And I remember the guy saying, do you want clear glass with red conduit or red glass with white conduit? And I didn't say, I don't know what the difference is between those two. Like, can you show me examples? And I didn't Google it. I guessed. And so the day of the store opening, I think it was the day before the store opening, we went, we drove from our office downtown and we pull up and the sign looked pink because I chose the, I chosen the white gloss with the red conduit through the middle. So it's not very saturated at all. And it was really high up on the building. So it was super far away. So it looked pink and she just turned fucking white and she was like, get in the car. Oh, no, so then she called she called the neon people. And then she was like, get in the car. And I remember got I got in the car. She was borrowing her grandmother's like old Lincoln. And then we were driving around Santa Monica and she went, we stopped in front of every store that had neon. She goes, That's right, conduit. With a white light. That's this. That's this. That's this. That's this. She couldn't even yell at me. She was so mad. And she was like, Are you gonna assume anything again? And I was like, No. And she was like, and she had to pay like a million dollars, like expedite a new sign and end up going up like an hour before the store opened. It was like this big, but she was very, I mean, what bought, most people would be very dismissive and scream at me and say, you fucked up. And she taught me a very big lesson that day that she didn't, you know, I would have been like, who knows how I would have reacted to something like that. Like knowing how hard she worked every single day to build that brand up to be what it is and to have somebody not give it that attention to detail that you're paying them to do that. You know, I understand the frustration and she was totally just went out of her way to like make me learn a big lesson. And then she was like, we're not going to talk about it again, but I'm, but like this won't happen again. And I was like, you're right. You know, it was, it was a, it was a cool approach. And I think about her a lot when I make like certain decisions because she's very pragmatic it was cool. I mean, we watched that brand grow from like nothing to what it is now. So massive. Yeah. What an amazing journey for you to be there at the beginning and yeah. and then see where it is today. I know. And now they like give me stuff. I was like, I like wore something that they gifted me the other day. And I was like, I can't believe I'm a ref babe. Like <laughs> <laughs> how fun. So eventually you leave Reformation and what was the path to creating LPA? Well, I had gotten a job at Zara. They had been poaching me for a while, but I was in a relationship at the time with somebody that I lived with. And they messaged me saying, we want to bring, you know, we'd love to interview you. We'll fly you to Spain. And I remember him saying, oh my God, that's so exciting. Like I would move to Spain. And I remember thinking like, I do not want to be like, I don't want to be with you. Like I can't, like it was this moment of like, I can't move to Spain with you that I'm stuck in Spain with you. Like, and I was like, Oh, my right. God. You're like, I could go to Spain myself. I'm not supposed to be with this person. You know, it was like a real, and he wasn't like a bad person. He just wasn't my match. And, um, and so then we broke up and I think they'd reached out again. Um, and at the time I was like, let's absolutely. So by the way, the same thing happened to me before I moved to Boulder. <laughs> really? 
Yeah. And I was like, there's no way I'm moving with you to Boulder. And then we broke up. And then like a month later, I was like, I'm moving to Boulder. (laughs) (laughs) So I love Boulder. It's amazing you get to live there. Um, Whatever. I took the job interview, accepted the job. And I, and I went to Italy afterwards because, you know, they had booked this round trip ticket for me. And I was like, I couldn't have, I was like, this is the only way I could afford to go to Italy. So a girlfriend of mine met up with me in Italy and she was coming from the Hamptons from a revolve event. And so they were booking all her tickets and they were like, Oh, we saw that, you know, your ticket from here is to Italy. Like, what are you doing? And she was like, Oh, I'm going to meet my friend Pia. She just interviewed at Zara. And she said that to the head, she said that to Risa, Girona, the CMO mm. of revolve and she was like wait i didn't we never thought pia would leave reformation like we want to work with her and so when she landed she was like Risa wants to meet you and i was like oh weird like that's a funny random thing to happen when you already have like when i just got off a job interview and then i got both offers and had to pick one and i always just thought obviously being the creative director of my own brand would benefit me in a bigger way even though zara i know is incredible and everyone who works there is so great and it's it's but it's a very specific thing it's a small town in the middle of spain and then i was nervous about being away from my family again and all that so uh then we launched lpa and that was like seven years ago wow that's incredible Mm -hmm. and now looking back i'm sure you're so happy that you went that direction and being creative director and having that decisions to be able to make your on your own must be amazing yeah i think it's I clearly for some reason was always supposed to like be in this house and like buy this house for my mom and like keep this house in our family. And I always felt a weird, not normal pull towards that. Like there would be times where my parents were like, Oh, we should sell the house. And it would hit me so hard. But, but I was also like, logistically it'd be great for them. Like they should sell this house and like get cash and like live in a condo that's not so high maintenance, you know, but my dad also was like, this is my house. Like I want to die. And, you know, so there was just something that was always kind of, so yeah, I'm exactly where I'm supposed to be for right now. So as LPA has evolved and being on Revolve, I'm curious, like the back side of things, because for us, you know, we do our consumer research in the way that we do, but I'd imagine being able to use Revolve as like the search engine where you see what people are looking for and things like that. Like how much does that influence your creativity and design and how much of your creative design is just coming from elsewhere? It used to be mostly that, but you really fuck yourself over because you're not creating tons of newness and you're not being like a leader. You are only designing based off data. And a lot of people do that and I get it. And we obviously refer to bestsellers all the time. But I think it's just really important. Like now we're all in the place too, as like a team, even Rice and everyone, they're like, just design what you want to wear. Which is even more fun, I guess. Yeah, it is. And it's more pressure. Yeah. Like I have numbers to hit. And so it's a big investment for them to have the brand. And we have a lot of amazing customers who've grown with us and been with us for so long. But it definitely, I think that's the hardest part about that was the hardest part about doing wholesale. And I think a lot of people kind of fuck themselves because I don't think nobody really understands unless you're in fashion, how big, how much the buyers are involved in design. Uh, Cause they have pressure from the powers that be to get hit sell through, you know? And so my husband deals with this with his brand, like everybody that we, so we stopped doing wholesale because 
you know, we used to sell at Saks. We had great wholesalers and they wanted to, like, we would show them the collection and be like, yeah, yeah, but we want that in blue. And we're going to do, and I'd be like, I don't, wait, what? And then it would just be like, now I'm like trying to change MOQs and bring like a blue in. And then the delivery would be late because they were really trying to like design our collections, which I understand, but uh, we definitely now, it's definitely like what we want to wear, which is great. So how, well, I guess two questions. One, how many collections do you make in a year? Like how often are you designing? And then secondly, where do you draw most your inspiration and design aesthetic from? We used to do for many years up until the last two, we did 60 SKUs a month. Holy wow. That's crazy. Nobody like, it's so funny because people will be like, oh, that influencer girl. And I'm like, I fucking work. So I'm like, it's such a dismissive. Wow, by the that's way, incredible. Do billions of dollars in this industry. But I'm like, yeah, so we would design like 60 things a month. Now we switched it to essentially like quarterly, but we still put like little drops in. So like my last drop was last month. And then I have my holiday drop. And then I did like a little bit of a resort collection for January. And then we have another one in March. So, you know, it's supposed to be quarterly, but we kind of like. And how many pieces are are in each of those quarters? This holiday one's a big one. Like May, we designed 60 SKUs for that drop because that's like one of our biggest uh, moments of the year. So it used to be design a lot, try to sell as much of it as possible. obviously but now it's really about like that full price depth and like designing each thing that we know we can sell out of and it was a little slumpy after covid because i didn't even have like you know my team during covid like so many people got laid off and then my one designer was like i can't design from home like he like was like, I'm out of here. Like, he's like, I'm going to move in with my parents. Like, he had, like, a full Saturn return. He, like, broke up with his boyfriend. He's very creative. And I think he just was losing his mind being home alone with the pressure of selling. And he was very true to his heart. and was like, this just doesn't feel good anymore. And so we still talk all the time, but it was a good thing for him. So I was, like, a month out from giving birth and had, like, no design Yeah, the guy who was doing my social had gotten laid off at the time and he was doing such a good job. And so it was just like the ball just like fucking dropped really hard. And now I have now I have like a team again that is incredible and things are like LPA is like better than it's been in a really long time. And things are selling out and I'm getting the selling reports every week and we see things flying, you know, we're reordering things and recutting stuff and it's a really good feeling. What's most popular right now? What are you seeing? Trend wise, um, our dresses always do really well. You know, it's like it's funny. It's a lot of the same. Like we, a coat that we sold out of last year is back up and sold out right away. Where we colored it, people are dying for that. Our sweaters are doing really well. Um, that we made this beautiful, this we made this beautiful strapless the the um, Gianna dress. It's like a beautiful strapless brown dress, and I I remember fitting it in the office we, it had it had like halter straps and i was like that looks too heavy we took them off and they were like i don't know we haven't ever really sold 
a drop waist, strapless, poofy dress like that before. And I was like, this is what I want to wear. Like, I don't give a shit. Like, this is like what? And it's like that photo of that dress performed the best on social. And it's like sold out twice already. Amazing. It's just great. Yeah. So the brand is very much your personal style aesthetic. Sounds like. Yeah, I can't, you know, I think people's biggest mistakes, I was talking about this because we're I'm in, uh, about to raise money for Baron Cheney and I was talking about it with somebody who's like going to help me raise the money. And she was like, you know, the hardest part is really like building a community and staying super true to yourself because so many brands are like, oh, well, we think there's this market and a bunch of people who are hired because someone was able to raise like a billion dollars is going to put together this whole brand deck to like give you this experience. But it feels, I feel that way when I walk down the streets in New York and there's like a million new stores. I'm like, I don't feel anything from these stores. Yeah. I feel like they have millions of dollars in funding, but I don't know what the vibe is. You know, I don't feel like a warmth and like an aliveness because there's just not. So, you know, it's like, I tried to stay away from like posting myself on LP as much as possible or thinking about myself too much, but it's not that like I'm important. It's like, I think that people are like, oh, that's a real person. You know, like I don't have, it's not like I have millions of followers and like I'm like Elsa Hosk and can drive, you know, it's like, but like Elsa is like, it's so specifically Elsa and you just like want to be her something. And I think like, you know, being able to like wear that dress I wore in like Italy this summer, which like, you know, I'm half Italian and my husband's from Italy and just like the context of all, you're just like, ah, there it is. You know, yeah. it's like kind of those like cute little like moments that give it a little bit of life. Love it. So you mentioned Barantini and raising money for that. That's hop over to that. So a, a new venture for you. How did that come about? And um, how's it going? We've been doing that on the side, like for fun, <laughs> like uh, without putting any effort there for years. Um, and now I really feel so drawn now it's like, okay, it's time, you know? So, uh, we're, I just had a beautiful long meeting this morning with a company called label maker in New York that does all of our branding and our packaging. And, uh, he's a guy I've been working with for a long time. And so we had a meeting with his team to like really finalize our deck and our fonts and we were like using this beautiful font but then i have all these old sicilian magazines that have these crazy cool layouts that a lot of them are hand drawn and i was like i really want to use like this font instead and they're like it's hand drawn and i was like i know but i think we should make our own like, you know i was like i want to like buy a font i was like everything we do yeah. needs to be like so specifically ours and i was like i'm sorry if it takes you more time because they'll have to trace it out and like make it and then we can't use we can't use Google Slides because Google Slides doesn't allow you to import your own font. We cannot. We can't. It's a pain. It's a pain, right? So I'm like, so now we're just going to keynote it. You know, I was just like, you know, this is I was like those like little things are the little things that like maybe some people notice, but some people don't. But it just gives it like the oomph to everything. So um, we're basically going to relaunch the brand. We have this giant tin that we launched with forever ago because... We couldn't hit the minimums of the smaller tins before. It's a lot of inventory. And our deal with our supplier at that time was like a royalty deal. Um, so now we're going to be like a proper real brand. And we'll have the smaller tin. We'll have lemon olive oil, spicy olive oil. We'll have ancient grain pasta. So we'll relaunch. And then 
Baroncini Casa will be a large range of home goods. So exciting. Mm-hmm, which I'm really excited. All made in Sicily. Aprons, linens, ceramics, lamps, vases, candlesticks, everything. And then hopefully, not hopefully, the plan then is also to have Bar Baroncini, which will be um, like a Sicilian bar, alimentarian, like cafe. So we'll do breakfast, lunch, aperitivo, and no dinner, have like behind the counter food, like seasonal, delicious Sicilian baked goods. And then you could buy everything in the oh, store, amazing. but we need it to manifest in a physical space. And then we'll also have, buy a place in Italy, uh, in Sicily, which will be like a, a our house, but a rental property. Um, that'll be like a physical manifestation of all of those things. So the sheets will be ours, the pills will be ours, the lamps, the soap, hopefully if we get to that category, the bath mats, the plates, the whole thing. And that'll be a place that you could rent for a wedding or do like branding events and stuff. So cool. I love that. I've always imagined that we would manifest into a physical location. It still hasn't happened yet, but I'm putting it out there. Yeah. Yeah. Good. I guess people want to like, then you can see the little like world that totally it just comes to life in such a bigger emotional connection way. Yeah, absolutely. So between LPA, Barancini, and also, I believe, are you CMO of your husband's brand too? Like, how do you yeah. do all of that? <laughs> what tips can you share for juggling so many things and being a mom? I'm a little behind on everything, uh, like actually like investing and in getting like proper help. I don't have an assistant. I don't, I'm not, I wouldn't do that. Because I just don't, I was like managing that seems like I can just do things myself. But now we have like teams in place and Davide will need to start doing that too. Like he needs to, you know, he is his little baby and like, it's time to really grow that brand. And so once we have COOs for both companies, we will be in a great place. I think it's really important to understand what you're good at and not good at. and like we're creatives yeah so like we shouldn't be like the stuff that i've learned in the last month about inventory i'm like fuck like okay we made like some big you know mistakes in the past with certain things and like allocating funds in the right way and bringing on certain investors we got really burned with investors this last year in a way that was Anything you want to share that would be helpful for people to not get burned? So it's funny because most people's response is like, this is why you don't mix business and friends. Yeah. But I don't feel that way because I feel like a lot of our friends I work with, a lot of people I work with have become my best friend. Like, I don't, I think you have to really look at people's relationship to money and how they act within your relationship their family and friends because money can ruin everything. You know, money is a weird thing and everybody has different relationships with it. And so I think it's important to understand objectively people's culture with their families, with their friends, like how they interact with money, because it gives people a very false sense of importance. And so, you know, I have friends who have investors who, you know, someone gave $10,000 and they want to email every month what's going on with this. Da, 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 da. You know, these are people who have shit ton of money, $10,000 to drop in the bucket to them. 
And then they have investors who've given way more or way less and you never hear from them. And they're just the kind of people who are like, do your thing and I'll hear from you later. So, you know, I think you never really know how people are going to act, but I would try to, you know, hopefully not. uh, It's tough. But I just think you should really try to work with angel investors who have already invested in other things and like kind of catch a vibe of what they are like as a partner. Because we gave up a huge portion of my husband's brand for a very small amount of money to people who have no idea how to do run a brand and have spent double their investment on our lawyer fees negotiating a contract to have my new it's so it's fucking insane and you're it's like they are like we oh you know we and it's like your investment was fucking so small so small yeah i think that's good advice for having someone if they've made prior investments and then like talking to those people who they've invested in to try to get at least a gauge of like what are they like it's so much bandwidth and so many, by the way, you know how small the brand is. So for us to spend double your investment on communicating with you for, on lawyer fees is so irresponsible on your end. And this is like, right. you do want to make sure that your percentages of your brands are, ta- are is taken up by sophisticated investors, not meaning that you need someone who can run books for you, but somebody who knows, oh, if I want to redo a con, you know, it's like 50K in lawyers is that that's $50,000 worth of inventory for us. That's like massive manifest itself to $300,000 in sale. Like you're just taking away. It's like, it's so crazy, you know, or somebody who at least knows realtors to help you with your lease. You know, just somebody who can bring any sort of value. something to the value to the table. And if they can't, then it's like, that's totally fine. Just like leave us alone in the meantime. <laughs> and so we can get you your money back. Right. Because ultimately we're all trying to make money, but like you, you know, you really suck the life out of, out of people. Um, you know, I don't, I think people's egos get in the way of understanding. Um, you know, if, if you know that my husband is up till two in the morning working and waking up at six and sending out every order by himself and, building a new store by himself, us decorating it by him. You know, it's like, you know that like all that has to happen. And then on top of that, you're willing to, it's just so beyond, you know, you just really need somebody who understands like what work really is. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, it sounds like it was a hard lesson that you have, but good that. Yeah. It's going to happen. You know, know, it's like, it's, and it's funny when you bring it up to people or like, some everybody always has like a story, you know, totally. part of the process. I think for me, that's why, and for so many people, it's like that's why you're takes a long time if you can to wait to get investment because you're so nervous of like you've heard such horror stories out there that it's frightening. It's frightening. People should talk about the stories more. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> Be an entire podcast about that. Yeah. So speaking of podcasts, in addition to all those other things, you also have your podcast, which is awesome. I'd love oh, to baby. hear just with the, your vast array of guests, any of maybe like the best lessons you've learned or things that you've kind of incorporated in your life from hearing it. All the hormonal stuff. We did a podcast with Alyssa Vitti. Oh, me too. That was like our one of our top. It was podcasts. my top People podcast, are- and it was because at the time I was trying to get pregnant and I wasn't getting pregnant, and she was 
talking about cycle syncing and how you're not, not and like so on that podcast i was sobbing because i was like hold on i was like i haven't had breakfast in like seven years like i drink coffee first thing and it was just and she was like and i do hit workout like it was every i just every everything i was doing is wrong yeah you know every single thing and so that's been a really big gift it was just all the hormonal stuff i feel the same thing i like went off birth control it like changed my life after that change it's so crazy because we have no access to you know women aren't really like educated on their bodies in that way so for the two of us to be able to like have a platform to bring that information to people just feels like the biggest gift in the world really yeah it's incredible that we're not taught any of that it's like i know it's crazy okay we're gonna move into some rapid fire q a Three things that you're currently loving, like what's cool right now in your world? Um, the Victoria Beckham documentary. Yes, so good. <laughs> <laughs> Which is great to watch because my husband is a huge soccer fan. So we were able to watch. It's like one of the rare things we could agree on watching together. I love Agent Nature products. They're fucking expensive. What's your favorite product of theirs? The collagen is outstanding. And then there's a body cream that has like transformed my skin. And wow. it's, it was in New Orleans this weekend. And the first night I got to dinner, it was like my best friend and, and her parents who we were there to celebrate their birthday and like their friends. And they were all like touching my skin and they were like, look at, and the one woman it was like your skin looks so collagen filled wow what a compliment <laughs> okay i was like i swear to god it's these two products as i drink the collagen every day and then i've been using the lotion and like even davide will like cuddle up to me in bed he's like oh my god and i always want to be soft i'm huge on lotions and oils and stuff but i don't know her products how long have you been using this lotion i feel like i definitely need to go buy it a month two wow. months okay and my Sold. skin is like it's fantastic her stuff is great. It's annoying that it's expensive. And then I like I don't go a day without. I mean, there's my supplements. Fatty fifteen is really important, and all of us will know how important C fifteen is soon. But it's an essential fatty acid that was just recently discovered, and that's what fatty fifteen is. It's C fifteen. It's like once you learn the science behind it, it's like you're like I can't imagine missing a day or like not, ha- you know, I make sure my mom and my husband, it's like anyone you care about should just like be on that. And what that is it? And then it's just, it's called C15. It's, it's called fatty food. It's just a high concentration of C15. We're all deficient in it because you're, because it's not in our diet. We're supposed to get it from full fat milk, but nobody drinks fucking full fat milk anymore. So, and if you don't have it, it passes through to your child through breast milk. But if you're deficient in it, you can't. So basically all these studies are coming up that like, you know, there are so many young kids that have fatty liver disease. Um, they're basically saying that like a lot of ailments that like the average American has is is a symptom of a C15 deficiency. Wow. So I don't, and you, it's all that information is like on their website. And so I take that and then my parallel PCOS formula, my conception pack, I take every day. What do you want more of in your life? Babies. <laughs> how many? <laughs> I'd love to go to three. I don't know logistically how that would work. But I would love to have I was just more kids and more dogs. <laughs> how many more dogs? How many dogs total do you want? We have three right now. We would need more land. I would need to get like a dog walker, you know, but I just think 
to, to make sure we're staying at three at all times. <laughs> Fair enough. Favorite words to live by? This too shall pass. A favorite book or podcast for growth? I, I read like fun fiction books. Okay. Then let's switch it to what's your favorite fun fiction book right now? Oh my God. The book that I just finished, nonfiction, actually. I read a book in Italy in a week and I saw um, Daring Greatly. Dar- I love Daring. Daring Greatly is a good book for cha- Daring Greatly. For, if, if it's a book to, for, to change you, it's Daring Greatly. Favorite business moment? I was on the cover. I was on the cover of the Sunday Times. That's so cool. Yeah. What was the? It was about LPA. And what were you wearing? A cool like LPA dress, and I had like my two best guy friends who were working with me. One was a designer, one was like a consultant, and they were like, they were just like throwing clothes at me in the photo, and it was really, it was really cool. That's so cool. And lastly, what is your number one non-negotiable to thrive on your wellness journey? Sleep. Any tips that you have for your sleep routine or anything you do in particular? Supplement-wise, like Symbiotica sleep and then the Juna sleep gummies are fantastic. And I don't, I try obviously not to take everything every day. Yeah. But you know, I really am into like getting into bed and like we got home from our flight last night and I unpack, I always unpack immediately, took a shower, like got in bed, like got a tea, took my little Juna gummy and my husband went on a run. Crazy. And it was like <laughs> 10 o'clock. I know. And he was like, it's really important for me to like, that's been helping him with his mental health, but he'll like wake up at 4 a.m. to go on a run before like a 7 a.m. flight. I actually think it's making everything worse because he's not getting the yeah. <laughs> So he thinks he's like a Mr. Health expert, but I'm like, you're kind of fucking yourself over here. Yeah, I'm all about sleep too. I don't mess with my sleep. No. Well, Pia, in closing, what's next for you and where can everyone find you? Well, what's really next is the, our beautiful LPA uh, holiday collection, which launches... Next week, I have a giant campaign here on Thursday for that. And then Baroncini relaunched in 2024, which I'm really excited about. And everyone can find me on Instagram at Pia Baroncini. Wonderful. Thanks, Pia. So nice to meet you. Thank you so much. Nice to meet you. And then I want to get you on my podcast. Done. Have a great day. Thank you. Bye. Thanks so much for joining me on Live Purely with Elizabeth. I hope you feel inspired to thrive on your wellness journey. If you enjoyed today's episode, don't forget to rate, subscribe, and review. You can follow us on Instagram at purely underscore Elizabeth to catch up on all the latest. See you next Wednesday on the podcast.